Hi there, I am Typical Lydia and welcome to Reanimation on the Dead as Hell Horror Podcast. Today we are going to descend into hell with Berserk. Because this is such a sprawling and involved franchise, I'm going to kind of blend my review and concern the series and OVAs as one body of work to save time. The original series ran from October 1997 to March 1998. The OVAs, known as Berserk, the Golden Age arc 1, 2, and 3, is a retelling of that series. The Egg of the King came out in February 2012, followed by The Battle for Doldry in June 2012, and The Advent, which I will certainly focus on because it is the most horrific of the group, came out in February 2013. They are done by Studio 4 Degrees Celsius, or Studio 4C, who you may know from Steam Boy, some Batman Gotham Knight, and Detroit Metal City. Due to a clash of taste between purists and style fans, there's a lot of criticism of the animation and CG styles used in the recent feature-length series, but really it doesn't look too bad. Characters having robotic features is the main complaint, but there are way worse examples of this in many other anime. It is not hitting motion comic levels of static cells, so I can't complain. The animation of the original series is as smooth as could be attained at the time. Colors are medium, neither too bright or too muted, and very pleasing overall. The level of detail is middling as well. These were done by Oriental Light and Magic, famed for the Pokemon series, as well as Wedding Peach and a Giver installation. Gotta love Giver. All these are very indicative of their anime style. At 25 episodes, it is a good marathon watch, and while not streaming officially, you can check YouTube or Viz or order the Box of War box set from AnimeWorks. Berserk reminds me of the kind of 80s animation that would give me a wicked headache in grade school. And as rough as the title song is, I loved it. And again, it reminds me of garage bands that gave me wicked headaches in high school. Now that would be Tell Me Why by the Pen Pals. It's a song that will stick in your head. The closing theme, Waiting So Long by Silverfins, is much better with a slow, calm, acoustic dirge. Beautiful stuff that serves as a bomb to the violence you've just been given over to. Exactly what an end theme is supposed to do. I can't recall the songs from the OVA, but they were oddly not as remarkable as the music used in the original series. However, the sound design for the contemporary feature-length installations is far better. The first episode is a good introduction to the main character, Guts, a rogue mercenary. It works well to plunge you into the mystery surrounding Guts, his skills, and his alliances. It also takes away from the relative yawn of the first half and shows a young Guts operating much the same way as the older Guts we first met with only shorter hair and a much smaller sword. The second bit of the second episode contains some classic underworld and horrific imagery with Guts being pinned on a pile of skulls and encountering the Skull Knight for the first time. Basically, the whole anime arc opens with Guts having a really, really big sword made and donning the armor of the Black Swordsman he has become. Then we fall into the story of how he became the Black Swordsman. As a young swordfighter, he was noticed by the leader of the Band of the Hawks, Griffith. Within time, he came to serve Griffith and was paired up with his female commander, Kazka. This is the basic love-hate triangle of the story if there's one to be had. Guts becomes Griffith's right hand as he climbs the social ladder. He prisses off pretty much everyone he comes in contact with, from demons to the monarchy. After he and the Hawks have reached their pinnacle of success, for example, killing everyone they come across, Guts leaves the band. He's helped Griffith in whatever way he felt he owed him, and his service tenure is closed. Simple as that. After a bit of pissing and moaning, Guts leaves. Griffith finally pisses off everyone that is left alive and is thrown in prison and tortured impossibly for what seems like an eternity. He is stuck in kind of a Chateau Deef place governed by a Martin Lomax kind of guy, so fans of the Count of Monte Cristo and Human Centipede 2 can have these worlds collide. 
Meanwhile, Guts has it out with Casca in some of the strangest fugitive naked cave dwelling shit I've ever seen. He not only then returns to rescue Griffith, but returns to restore the Hawks to the former glory as an army. This all backfired horribly, as not only has Griffith's mind deteriorated terribly under torture, he's always been a complete snake anyway. Not to mention, he's imbued with supernatural power of the God Hand. These are five angel demon types that make up the Hand of God. But once the series ends up in hell proper, you see there's no real god there that we would recognize as such. Demons. They're demons. They're definitely demons. I found it wasn't made entirely clear in the anime, nor in the OVA, as I suspect, like some anime, they rely on the success of the manga to fill in the blanks for people. From the Berserk Wiki, we have a little cheat sheet on the god hand. God Hand are a powerful group of five reality-warping angels, or demons, each corresponding to a finger or thumb, directly below the idea of evil in power and authority. All of them were originally humans who were chosen by the idea of evil to serve its purpose of giving reason for humanity's suffering. They each possessed and used a crimson behelet, like the one Griffith used, in order to transcend their humanity. It is unknown whether there are five crimson bailets or whether it's the same one that came to each of these humans in turn. The god hand using corpses to manifest into the world during the incarnation ceremony. The god hand can't take corporeal form in the mortal plane. If they do appear on the mortal plane, it is a construct formed by whatever is at hand, like golems and stuff like that, I'm assuming. They can also appear when summoned by a bailet or for the purpose of creating apostles or during the eclipse, which happens only once every 216 years and marks the birth of a new god hand, wherein there is an area that acts as a junction in between the astral realm and the human realm. After the world transformation, they can now manifest in the physical plane without the need of a constructed avatar. So they'll be able to just go from this plane where they're creating the god hand after it's created during the eclipse and be able to just be themselves, be their demonic little selves here on planet earth. I guess that's the goal. They don't want to be trapped or have to come here in the form of rock tacky tape or blankets or whatever they have at hand to make their avatar. I wouldn't want to make an avatar out of like office supplies. Jeez. Anyway, for what purpose? Destroying the world, I suppose. Having hell on earth, gathering souls and carcasses with which to construct face mountains and more god hands maybe. I'm not that sure what they want to come here for. Some of the demons, which are supposed to be five angels, are reminiscent of Cenobites. Having the five angels summoned by amulets is similar to the Lamarchand box. The entrance of the Cenobites is pale in comparison to the entrance of the God Hand, though. The God Hand relies on astrophysical occurrences, involves an eclipse and a massive inescapable rift between hell and reality. The Cenobites are kind of free agents in comparison. There are many Clive Barker type comparisons here, Hellraisers, Tortured Souls, In the Hills, The Cities, and more if you watch close. In fact, Attack on Titan reminds me a lot of In the Hills, The Cities. If you were to fast forward to the final episode, for the visual payoff alone it's worth it. Scenes of hell straight from an Escher and Clive Barker inspired land of wall to wall, death and blood, serve as a backdrop for a desperation that our heroes have succumbed to. Amazing monsters and a slick kind of perfection to the end of the story works waiting through 25 episodes, though you'd have to be pretty into the story to endure. It is steeped in male warriors fighting. It's not fueled 100% on sausage power. Apparently the rapes and disembowelings were tame when compared to the manga, and I wish it hadn't been, as that would have been way more interesting to me than the control triangle happening between the three main characters, Guts, Griffith, and Kazka. While Berserk may have not enjoyed such a wide appreciation among horror fans, it would be another good entry 
for fans of action, such as Fist of the North Star and Ninja Scroll. Now, the movie set out to do it all over again, but in a shorter delivery with less censorship constraints. The third installation is really the siren song for horror fans. Berserk, Golden Age, Arc 3, The Advent, the third act of the third OVA is where it all gets really, really good. Griffith has a moment that sparks a cataclysmic eclipse and plunges his estranged army, including Guts and Casca, into hell. Comparing it to the original run, it's hard to pick a favorite, as the original hell, while not as visual or visceral, held a deeper terror, one contained in the mind and the unseen, where everything in the OVA is spattered on screen. Some of the highlights of the OVA are the vast amounts of blood. It's really over the top, and I loved every minute of that. The vision of guts falling down a cliffside made of gore-drenched faces of the souls of the damned was kind of amazing. Then he stabs in with his blade to slow his descent, much like a pirate riding down a sail from the crow's nest, ripping through face after face as he goes. And not too long after he takes another knife ride down the face hill, splitting thousands of them in half all over again. So gory. You get to see more of that in the OVAs than you do in the series, as the fight scenes are on a much larger scale, and the amount of blood spilled, limbs and torsos flying increases tenfold. Even from the beginning of the advent, images of the emaciated and nearly dead Griffith are the stuff of nightmares. If you were creeped out by Zelda in Pet Cemetery or the Starved Man in Seven, you will get squicked out by Griffith. Once Griffith is imbued with the power of the Hand of God, he changes back into the strong, rapey, vicious type we're familiar with. By that point, he's hell-bent on destroying Guts and his mind and body, so he needs to be strong for that. Jealous rage much? Guts' sword has always been bigger. There's even a scene of a naked Guts holding his massive sword like a giant cock, in case you didn't quite get the parallel. All in all, while not horror proper, Berserk is a classic hell ride. In between an epic saga with huge, morally driven battles, you get rapey, vile backstories, then blood and blood and more blood. I make it sound alright, but honestly, I had to really reach to enjoy this entirely. It's just not my thing. The story was too rich, yet the character is not very compelling. Guts is too gruff. Considering his backstory, that makes sense, but if you're taking it just on the delivery model of the anime alone, Guts is too gruff. Casca's too girly. She's a girl. That's understandable, but she's not warrior material. It's hard. It's a reach for me. And Griffith? Well, I liked Griffith. I like Griffith a lot. If this sounds like your thing, start with the anime, which really lets the story sit with you a little longer as it unravels. If you'd rather get straight to the spatter, skip off to the third OVA and let it fly. If there's something bloodier out there that you think I should watch, let me know on Twitter, at TypicalLydia, or Tumblr, Reddit, Instagram, wherever you hang out online. This has been Reanimation on the Dead as Hell Horror Podcast.